This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is Gajuar Siafu. So this is our third and final installment of the three-part interview with Gajuar Siafu. I'm sure you've been enjoying it so far. If you've heard the last two episodes, if you haven't, I would go back and listen to those first and then come back and listen to this final one as we just kind of unpack everything we've spoken about and he leaves the listeners with some nuggets of wisdom. So here is my final interview with Gajuar Siafu. I remember being in a relationship with my kid's mother, my my youngest daughter's mother. And I remember when that relationship ended. And I guess I always had problems with relationships, the endings. So this particular time, it was very, very bad. So I started drinking a lot of alcohol and I was really depressed because she was seeing somebody else. And, you know, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Anyway, that guy owes me his life too, by the way. So, yeah, you're welcome. Because when we finally met with a confrontation, if it wasn't for my daughter, he would not be with us today. But I probably wouldn't either. I'd probably be in jail. So all's well and ends well. But anyway, I remember being so sad one day and I drove upstate to my sister's house and I was so drunk, DWI, drive, I was drunk out of my boots and I ran my car right on her front lawn and I opened the door and rolled out with a bottle of cognac. What's it called? Something in a black bottle. It was really good though. I would mix that with, um, you know, like some type of juice. But anyway, long story short. And I remember being so sad and I fell asleep on my sister's lawn because that, tra- remember now, that trauma and all that abuse never really goes away. It would surface during times like this when I was really at my bottom end, then of course, all of that stuff would surface and it would just add on to the depression and the anxiety that I was facing at the time and make it even worse. So I remember falling asleep on my sister's grass for like 10 hours. And then I woke up and my family was in the living room. Well, I woke up and they put a blanket on me and they put a pillow under my head on the motherfucking lawn. Like they let me sleep all that time. Didn't disrupt me. And when I went to the living room, Everybody was right there, really concerned for me. And I was like, man, my family really loves me. I didn't really know because I've been like an outlaw to my family. You know what I'm saying? But at that point, I realized my family really loves me. So on my way back to Brooklyn, I remember stopping off to my other sister's house and she gave me this card. She said, you know what? I've heard about this phrase. If you say this Buddhist chant, you know, it's designed to end human suffering from the user and and i'm like so still drunk i was like yeah all right whatever man so she gives me this card and she said i've tried it and it really works you know what i'm saying a lot of people i know it just enhanced their life so i took this card get back to brooklyn and i remember trying to sound this particular channel but before i say that this was after two suicide attempts as well 
I'm talking years back. See, I, I covered some things, but some things I didn't want to touch base on. But for you to really understand the full thing, there were two suicide attempts in my life. And I wanted to be out of here because I felt like I don't belong here. And all that I had went through. And I was like, yo, I'm old enough to make this decision. I want to die. So I attempted suicide twice. And for me, it just made sense because now I'm old enough to reflect onto where I've been. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I shouldn't even be here. But I also remember as a little kid, anytime a plane would fly overhead, I would remember saying that I wanted to go home. And I didn't really understand why I would say that as a kid. But I remember telling the older people that I fell from the cracks in the sky. Now, this is as a young person, you know what I mean? And it just kept feeling like I felt I don't belong here. I fell from the cracks in the sky. So, you know, when I got to be a young adult, I was like, well, I'm taking myself out of here. So I tried suicide first time I was in Jersey and I woke up and I really tried to be out of here because I slipped my wrist like many, any way that you can vertically, horizontally. And I woke up and there was blood everywhere. And I guess a state trooper or sheriff was right there saying, sir, are you okay? What's happening? And next thing I know, I'm in a nut house, crazy house, bandaged up. And I remember being in the crazy house and I remember saying, I'm normal. I just had a bad day. Just had a lot on my mind. And the doctor was like, well, you know, just prove to us that you're stable so that we can let you leave. And I remember I was not stable. I went apeshit in the establishment, fucked up everything, just breaking everything, wanting to fight everybody, going to war with the orderlies. I was nuts. They let me go nuts. They let me tear up everything. I said, I'm hungry and I don't eat meat. Give me something. You know, I was, I thought I was running shit. Fucking big bully from Brooklyn. Give me my fucking shit in the crazy house. Give me, I want food now. Sure, 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 sure. They bring me a tuna sandwich. And I slept for five days after that. <laughs> wow. I thought I was winning. I ate that tuna sandwich and I didn't wake up for five fucking days later. And I was like, what a sandwich. Because they obviously put something in it. And, you know, I calmed down enough to be let out of that situation. Went back to Brooklyn, did some amazing things. And then, and I know it seems like I'm skipping all over the place, but I'm really not. And then, you know, things happen with my daughter's mother, which led us to our, to our, our breaking up. But that was summer of 99. And that was the final time that I tried to commit suicide was 1999. No, no, it was it was after 99. I don't remember what year it was, but it was after that when my daughter's mother wanted to leave me or whatever. She didn't, you know, couldn't handle it. And I remember that I was in Queens and, you know, we always talk that shit about, you know, yeah, if the cops are after me, I'll I'll run them down and I'll get away. Or if they try to incarcerate me or put me in a crazy house, I'll go through a side door and run down a block and then jump in a getaway car and be free. And we talk all that shit. You know, in the hood, that's what we do. We talk all that shit about getting away from being apprehended. And I ran out of the hospital. I snuck out of the door. Yeah, the back door, the kitchen door or something like that. And I got 10 feet and it was tired. And I was like, <sighs> and they walked me down. They just said, come on, sir. Ass out. I had the nightgown thing on. Ass out right in, right in downtown Queens. <laughs> they brought me back. There was no fight. There was no struggle. There's no... This, you know, this moment of like, yes, I'm going to fuck up the cops and the orderlies. And that shit didn't happen. They brought me right back to the room. They shot me up with Thorzine, which put me out for another couple of days, whatever. 
And I remember there was an African doctor and he wasn't, I could present like meaning that in those situations, they call it present. How do you present? If you present like you're not a threat to yourself or anybody else, they let you go. So I would always get out, jails, everything, because I presented well with this African guy. I was like, yo, I'm fine. I just had a bad day. Just had a bad month. You know, I had a lot on my mind. He was like, listen, normal people don't do this. No matter what's going on, you have some deep rooted issues. And you're going to be here until we figure this shit out. So it turned 72 hour evaluation turned into like weeks, weeks of unpacking and uncovering and, and, and figuring this whole thing out. And then they finally let me out. And then, you know, I met a few people along the way and that's when I ended up, you know, that day I went to my family's house, fell asleep on a lawn, blah, blah, blah. Now we're back on track, going back to Brooklyn. My sister gives me this card and it says, Num yo ho ring gay kill. Num yo ho ring. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? What does she say? Just get into a quiet place and chant this chant and things are going to change in your life. I, I promise you. And I'm like, this is some bullshit, but whatever I got to lose. So I remember the first time I had this card and I'm putting my hands like this and num yo ho, because I was in bad space, but I didn't even know how to pronounce this shit. So I started to chant this chant, Num Yo Ho Renge Kill. And that chant is supposed to be geared towards the person that's going through human suffering to lift that suffering. And I was like, is this mystical, magical bullshit? But I still chanted it. Then I got good. Num Yo Ho Renge Kill, Num Yo Ho Renge Kill, kind of like Tina Turner. I was chanting this motherfucking chant and life began to change for real. And I was like, how is this possible? How could this one chant, Num Yo Ho Renge change my whole past, my future, my present? How is this possible? And so then I started to have fun with it. At that point, I learned about something called The Secret. And it was introduced to me. I was like, this, this can't be real. It's not real. This thing called The Secret. All, all you got to do is think positivity mm, and positive things show up in your life. I said, it can't be real. So I tried. I tried to do it every day. Mm, I want the chick with the big ass and the beautiful face. Mm, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's where I was at. Mm, I want the $10 million in the bank account. Mm, I want to be my own business owner. Mm, I want to do that shit didn't work. You know what I mean? And then I started getting deeper into the author. Her name was Rhonda Burns. The real trick to this whole thing called the secret was actually feeling the feelings, not thinking, feeling feeling we live in a feeling universe and i remember i was walking past a crystal store one day i had just moved to long island and something said go see what this crystal thing is so i picked up this crystal and amazing things started to happen with this piece of crystal that i had in my hand and then all of these different strands the store all of this stuff started to come together and form a path like almost like stepping stones and so i started just i didn't question that i just started walking and I found that the deeper I got into this world of really self-discovery, self-forgiveness, and uh, humility and gratitude, it took me to a different place because I started to not only care about myself, I not only worried about myself, I wasn't concerned with me, I started being concerned with others and their well-being. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, oh, you know, life is this hard and my past has been this and da, da, da. it was like, man, I know somebody else is out there feeling like this. What could I do to help them? Or what could I say to make people feel a little bit better or take them even 
temporarily away from their issues. So I started doing that. And then I moved into a space ultimately of um, being a business owner. You know, I've always had herbs, like medicinal herbs around, around me, burdock, salsa, perilla, soursop, you know, things of that nature. And so one day I was like, you know what? Somebody got sick on Facebook and they asked me, a friend of mine said, listen, I know that you have stuff going on in your house because I've been to your house. I know you got a lot of herbs. Do you think you have something for this pain that I have in my chest? So I ha- I always kept a lot of herbs, but I never thought for my own consumption, but I never thought that I could give them to other people and help them. So I sent that person a small package of, I think it was called respiratory lung function and the cough immediately went away. And then this person, their, their father had a problem with what they call arthritis. I sent him some salsa perilla root and a few other herbs. And a couple of months later, gone. And then COVID hit. I guess the word had spread and everybody was like, hey, do you have something for this COVID shit? I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, and all this going on. And I would start shipping out these packages. And then I said, you know what? Everybody's getting well. And I said, let me open up a store. So I happened to be in, in, in Port Jefferson, New York, walking around. I saw this for rent sign on the store. I said, let me do it. Opened up a store, furnished the store, alkaline herbs, healing herbs, and it's just been going crazy ever since. But again, every time that I won, that I really won, it was because I was serving others. When I was in the entertainment business and I'm standing in front of three, 4,000 people in the audience, I'm entertaining. I'm serving them. You know what I'm saying? When it came to the unsigned community, I was serving. I've always been a servant. When it came to the herbs, I was serving people to take them from one position in life to another position in life, from maybe not so healthy to health and wellness. So I realized that, hey, that's the only way that you can really be successful is when you're helping other people. So I began to immerse myself in going out of my way to help others. And it took me away from my own misery, not completely. And then at one point I found out that somebody said, tell a different story because I was still wild a little bit. And then I heard somebody say to me, listen, tell a different story. You keep telling the same story. And when you tell that same story, the feelings that are associated with those stories will always surface again. And it puts you back in the moment. So I would always tell a story about being tied up. Anybody who will listen, you know, I would always tell a story about the abuse and, and the physical and mental and spiritual abuse. You know, I, I would just tell the stories, but I found that when I would tell the stories, I was right there in that room with everything going crazy, everything moving, you know, and I was like, somebody said, tell a different story. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to tell a story of success. I'm going to tell a, a story of winning. I'm going to tell a story of helping others. So I just, even if it was fake, they said the universe doesn't know it's fake. God, Allah, universe, the, the matrix, the web, whatever you want to call it, doesn't know it's fake. Tell a different story. So I started telling that story of success, helping people, winning, you know? And next thing you know, that story that I was telling began to reflect itself back to me. And then I'm looking around my life and things are really changing in my life. Now, you know, it's been a long ride. It's been a crazy ride. And recently I've been tested in terms of relationships. Like, am I still as aggressive as I was? Am I still as over emotional with a relationship as I was? And for a hot minute, you know, I fell victim. I fell into that rut. And then I quickly thought about what I've been through. I'm like, ah, now I'm good. You know what I mean? And I just learned to do things a little bit differently. And again, you can't go wrong with helping others. And that's what I found. So I've dedicated this space that I'm in, I've dedicated my life to helping other people.
and I do it effortlessly. And it just kind of reminds me, it takes me back to an omen that I got when I was younger playing in Fort Greene Park. When this old guy said, now it makes complete sense. This old guy said to me, hey, kid, come here. I was playing with a few of my friends. He said, listen, there's something very special about you. I'll never forget this. I probably said this to you before. He said, in order for you to keep what you have, you have to be able to freely give it away. And so that was told to me as a young person. So as an older person, now it makes sense. So now it's like, I am just trying to freely give everything that I have away. Obviously I'm doing business. So, you know, everything can be free, but the information that I give on health and wellness, the information that I give on people that are stuck in bad situations, the information that I've learned along my journey, I freely give it away. And I've taken so many necks out of the noose. I've taken so many razors off the veins. I've taken so many pills out of people's hands and out of people's mouths in the course of this 54 or 55 years I've been here. And so now it makes sense why I'm here. You know what I mean? Now it makes mm -hmm. sense to why I had to go through all this shit I had to go through. And I don't really remember blaming my mother. I don't, you know, you had a lot of young people talking about my fucking mother, my fucking parents, everybody's bullshit, everybody. I don't remember that. I always looked at it like my mother was a young mother. She made mistakes. Everybody's young at some point. Parenting doesn't come with a roadmap or instruction manual. I said, um, you know, we're street people. We don't have instructions on how to, how to live. You know what I mean? So I never blame my mother. If anything, I blame society because I said society set up these pitfalls and these snares for these young parents, my mother and parents before then, my grandmother set up all of these different ways to fail, not being able, being able to provide for the family, but there's so little ways to succeed and, and keep the family unit together. You know what I mean? For the man, the woman, you know, and I'm like, I don't blame my mother. She did the best that she could. Again, she, she kept five of us together. But she didn't, she wasn't able to say, look at America and say, America's got these situations set up for me to fail. She trusted America wholeheartedly and the Bible that was given to America. You know what I mean? So she was all in like that, where me, my style is a little bit differently. I'm saying, well, you know what? Hmm, be careful. And I realized that that's a pitfall. That's a snare. That over there, that's a booby trap. This is set over here to try to type your time and your attention. So for me, as a young person, I look at this whole America thing and I'm like, I got to be really careful, man. And so I managed to sidetrack the booby traps and stuff, you know, to the best of my ability. I think that I, I've done a pretty good job with the hand that I was dealt and I'm not complaining, you know, I'm still here. I've been through a lot and I'm still here and I'm still like better than ever, still willing to help and willing to aid anybody. I'm not, I haven't been beat down with life, you know, so. Very cool. I mean, one of the things that struck me as uh, fascinating and and odd that you, that you said right from the beginning is you said these were great stories, electrifying stories that enhanced your life. And most people would hear these and be like, these are crazy stories that they wouldn't wish on anybody, you know, your early childhood trauma and stuff like that. So, I mean, I have a question in retrospect. You are where you are now. Do you wish you had an easier life? No. And I can answer that quickly. No. Nor do I wish I've ever known my father. Some people go looking for mm -hmm. their biological father. They want to know what happened. They want to know the truth or they want to know what he is, what he, I don't give a fuck about any of that because I know had I had a father, it would have altered my path. 
because if the father was there and if he was present now i would probably have to do because you know a lot of us fall under the path of our fathers you know what i'm saying but because mm. i didn't have that i was able to be in the street i was able to experience life at its rawest and at its best and at its challenge most challenging i was able to experience those things and make decisions for myself no influence nobody could influence me my mother couldn't influence me my family couldn't influence me no father could influence me the government couldn't influence me the church couldn't influence me i made my own decisions how many people could say that i did the shit that i wanted to do whether it was pass or fail whether it was good or bad whether it was detrimental or if it's you know profitable i make these active decisions so it really put me in a position to be like so much alive because wherever i go in life i speak the same language i told you this when i'm in china mm -hmm. i speak a language when i'm in europe i speak the same language when i'm in uh, egypt or africa i spoke that language wherever the fuck i'm at whoever i'm around i speak a language of enthusiasm and everybody understands that language and that makes me relatable again china europe south america Africa, wherever I go in the Americas, everybody understands. And we don't speak the same language, but we all speak the language of enthusiasm. So I wouldn't change not a second, not a minute, because life is still unfolding. And I had fun. Like, despite, obviously, those times aren't fun when you're being tortured, because that's what it was. It was torture. And there's so much things I'm not even telling you guys, but it was nothing less than torture. But aside from the torture, away from the torture, like as a young person, I had fun. I had fun. And even when people didn't want to hang around me or be around me as an adolescent or a teen, I still had fun. I made things fun for my own self. It's funny. I was talking to my cousin the other day. He said, we thought you was going to be an architect or an engineer of some sort or a mechanic at the very least, because you would always take everything apart down to its molecular structure, take it all apart and then put it back together whether it be electronics, whether it be a bicycle. I remember as a young person taking a screwdriver and prying the links off of a chain to make sure every ball bearing, every link, every aspect of a bike, the spokes was out and laid out on the sidewalk, clean it and then put it back together. And so it's funny because my cousin, you know, he, he reminded me that the other day, he said, man, you would take everything apart, man, and then put it back together. We thought you was going to be this type of person. But as it turns out, I, you know, I have, I got bigger plans, man. And for me, the bigger plans are to reach those who, who are um, on the edge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And pull them back from the, from that edge. So, and that's a that's an interesting point. I mean, you you went from trauma, drugs, military, music business, being an entrepreneur, world traveler. Hmm. What can you share with someone who's gone through a lot of trauma? on the edge, as you said, people on the edge, because that's what you said, where you started really finding success is when you got others centered, you know, and I always say that too, to people that that are, you know, usually depression, and usually that it's it's some type of self absorption. You know, it's like it's you're, it's eating at yourself and almost the antidote, the antidote is to focus your energy on others, because that's just going to eat you alive. You know, what could you share to somebody like this, somebody who's had similar life experiences, but maybe hasn't been able to repackage it 
in a way for their good? Like, how, how do you suggest people even begin that journey? Well, what I would say is probably going to sound cliche-ish, but I say that even though you don't know, it's going to be all right. Even if you don't know at that moment, and right now I could look back to my life 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago, I didn't know at the moment that I'd be here. 20 years ago, I didn't know at the moment that I'd still be alive. But I'm here. But I didn't know that. It's almost like being in a car at night and you know that your headlights can only give you 10, 20 feet in advance, but you don't know what's two miles down the road, but you just take that 10, 20 feet increment and just go with it. Just know that it's going to be all right. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't see what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm telling you, if you stay true to yourself and you stay going out of your way, looking to find reasons to feel good, it's always going to work out. So I would say that. Go out of your way to find reasons and ways to make yourself feel good that are healthy. If you like sunsets on the beach, goddamn it, go to sunsets on the beach. If you like crayon drawing inside the lines, get yourself a pack of crayons and draw. If you like to just be, con you know, converse with people or you just like to, you know, just be in nature or be sitting by yourself somewhere, do that. Because those things make you feel good. And it's like, it just opens up the door for more good feelings. And before you know it, all those problems, all those traumas that you went with, is going to be a thing of the past, you know, and it gives you an opportunity to learn. The more you learn about yourself and why people do what they do, you'll realize that, Hey, it's not about you. You didn't do this to yourself. You know what I mean? This is just part of your journey. Everything that happens to us, good or bad, it's just part of your journey. And once you accept that, hey, this is part of my journey, you move differently, you walk differently, you talk differently. It's all part of your journey. And when I realized that, hey, man, this is part of my journey. This is not a pity party. You know, I, I cry about this all day long. And I did I have my fair share of crying over the years. And my mother used to tell me, there's always somebody got it worse. And I'd be like, fuck that. I would tell my mother, I don't want to hear that shit. I got it bad right now. I would say that. You don't fucking know. I got it bad and I've had it bad. So. I was absorbed in myself. But then when I found reasons to feel good, that was the only thing that that could save me. You know, I started helping other people and life changed and life is constantly evolving. I'll never return to the person that I was. But then again, it seems like we all go through. We got to go through some shit. You can't escape this realm without going through some shit. You just got to know how to cope with it and overcome. And be able to see a, bread, a brighter day when there's no brighter day. When it's dark and it's gloomy, you got to be able to say, it's going to be all right. Yeah, I'm down bad now. But I'm, I promise you, even though you may be down bad now, a brighter day is on its way. How many times have you heard celebrities say, I couldn't even imagine I was here? Jay-Z said a couple of months ago, I could never imagine being this far into the entertainment business. Um, Beyonce said a couple years ago, I couldn't even, Michael Jordan, I'd never dreamed that I would be, these motherfuckers didn't have a crystal ball. They couldn't see their future. During those bad times, they were stuck in it like you. You know what I mean? But they stayed with it and they believed in themselves and they stayed the course. Whatever you do, don't try to hurt anybody else. Be kind to yourself. Be gentle on yourself and it'll work out. I promise you. I promise you.
So instead of beating yourself up, man, be kind to yourself. This is all part of your journey. You have to go through this. You don't know how many thousands of people you're able to save in your lifetime because of your life being so miserable and so hard and so difficult and the trauma that you faced. Your one, my one life has probably already, my trauma and my things, my neglect, my abuse, everything that I've been through has probably already saved at least 5,000 people, at least 5,000 people that I know of, at least. Who knows how many people those people are going to save? You see what I'm saying? In the future. Mm -hmm. So that's what I say. Just, just keep going through it. It's part of your journey. Can't get away from it. Can't get, you know, I tried suicide twice. Didn't happen. I stopped. I said, you know what? It's not meant to be. Fuck it. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to die until it's time. So I stopped. And I started living life. You know, I got this phrase in the store. It says, life is great when you're living it. Break that down. Life is great when you're living it. How many of us live this motherfucking thing called life? When you're living it and you're doing what you love to do and you're having fun, ah, life is great. One last thing my mother used to always tell me. She used to always tell me, you can't play your life away. And she would always say that different periods of my life. And I'm like, because I used to have, like, have fun because I've had so much trauma. I try to balance it out with just having a lot of fun. And I would just play and play and have fun and feel good. And, and then I realized that one day I said to her, I said, why? I'm going to play. I said, mom, I'm not going to stop having fun with life because I did for like a couple of months and life gave me really serious, more serious shit to deal with. It just was bombarding me like an avalanche. And I was like, I don't like the way this feels. I like the light, light, lightness. You know what I mean? So I'm having fun. Have fun with life, man. You're going to be older a lot longer than you're going to be younger. Have fun with this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Despite the trauma, despite the abuse and then, and then neglect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that that's a great way to, to end it off because I, I just think that's a, a positive way to, to encapsulate everything you've been through and to encourage everybody else who's been through that is, is to have fun, focus on others, and just know that there's a brighter day on the other side of that darkness. Right, right. I mean, listen, everybody out there listening to me right now, I know your family is your family. I know your friends are your friends. But you were coming here anyway. You were coming to this earth anyway. You were coming here anyway. You just came, you know, via your parents, but you were coming here anyway. Do the job that you're supposed to do. Whatever that job is, do that job because God damn, you was coming here anyway. You're coming here anyway. Everybody has a job to do, right? I realized what my job is. I realized it maybe seven, 10 years ago. My job is to entertain and help people through tough times. That's it. My job is to ignite something in you, to, to, to dig deep down inside of you and, and make you complete the race. That's what my job is. Everybody's got a different job. But I was coming here anyway, whether it be my mother, my father. It doesn't matter. I was coming here anyway. So. I got to do the assignment that was uh, attached to me. I got to complete the mission. No, I know it's a little extreme. People are like, oh, that sounds crazy. But in my mind, listen, I have a job to do. We all have jobs to do. But do it on your terms. Awesome. Well, Godroy, thank you so much for coming on the Story King podcast. Once again, I think it's been an illuminating 
time. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing your stories with us. So that was the third and final installment of this three-part interview with Gajwar Siafu. I'm sure you found him as fascinating as I do. Again, he's going to have uh, his links on the show notes. So if you want to buy his healing herbs, and I definitely promote that. I, I use his healing herbs as well. Our whole family does whenever we're sick, and they really do work. So I would go ahead and, and check out the link in the show notes. Also, don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You can choose a monthly membership tier at www patreon.com forward slash the story king all those links i just mentioned will be in the show notes one more thing if you're enjoying this podcast please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media subscribing to it leaving a positive review on itunes spotify anywhere you get your podcasts i'd greatly appreciate it thank you for listening to the story king podcast a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life please join us next time until then 